Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. I mean, I don't know much about it, so I'm kind of curious. Oh, it's, it's, it's a fabulous one. But I do, and she isn't the, she, she didn't start the Green New Deal, you know, but. No, no, she did not. There's, there's other people, there's co-signers and there's people that created it and she just supports it. And I like so, that. So let's talk green new deal. And what does, what does the green new deal actually mean? Because yeah, let's start talking about that because the green new deal is, you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you know, the reality is, is, is that you, you definitely want to have the best of the environment around you. You know, growing up in Montana, where I always, you know, I always considered myself a conservationist, you know, the reality is, is that without clean air, your plants don't grow well. Without clean water, your plants don't grow well. Without, you know, clean land for your animals to graze on, your, your plants and your animals don't grow well. If you don't take care of those things then those things don't take care of you. And you, I mean, if you want to watch it on a small scale, put up two plots, two garden plots, you know, just work one over as hard as you can, never put any care into it and watch how little you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, you know, take good care of it, give it the proper nutrients, the proper water, you know, proper 
everything that you can do and you will have a system that will constantly return food to you at quantities that you would expect. Yeah. It's, it's no different than, you know, whether or not you want to have cleaner air or cleaner water. The problem is, is that with the Green New Deal, the idea is, is that the government collects all of the funds in order to make all of this stuff happen mm -hmm. versus the private sector doing it. Now, this is where, you know, everybody starts far left and far right, and we don't actually have the conversation. And everybody just yells. Farting cows. Exactly. It, you don't, you're, you can't have an honest conversation about how do you make sure that we feed 330 million people in this country mm -hmm. with things changing. Um, yeah. If you're going to start at farting cows, right. you know? Um, so to, to roll back a little bit, what is the green new deal? The green new deal is not a set of laws. It's nothing binding. Right. It is an ideal that helps the country get to net zero carbon emissions. Right. Like when you're a kid and stuff, you, you're taught to create a story by creating an outline. And so it's one, this, two, this. And then there's subheadings under that that you create until you flush those into paragraphs and that becomes a story. And so the Green New Deal is just an outline. It's just one, two, but all the ABCs have to be negotiated and talked about. Absolutely. And and the way that you have to look at that is, is that, you know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, conservative, you know, liberal, progressive, you know, far right, it doesn't really matter. The idea is, is that there's an outcome you want to reach. And the question of how you reach it is the method. What is the method that you would get to this? Hmm. I think, I think in terms of what, what is looking to be accomplished, it's brilliant. And then you get into the politics of people trying to decide how you actually do that. Right. And then it just devolves into farting cows. Right, right. But so the Green New Deal being, you know, that you create a, a green energy sector, you create jobs, you create training, you create systems that allow you to you know, adapt and improve upon, you know, anything from clean air and clean water to energy generation. But that's, but that's jobs in America. That's, that's these plants opening back up with a new market that we mm -hmm. create and we control. It's like mm -hmm. creating the, uh, the skinny gene. One person created that. And for a while, they were the master of the skinny gene. We could be the master of green technology. Well, and, and that was always one of our strong suits as a country was, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you look at, I mean, even between like, if you go back to the 1940s and you look at the Soviet model versus the American model, you know, we relied heavily on the private sector to make the changes that we needed to. There were some government programs that made quick changes where they could. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, those were ruled unconstitutional uh, with the New Deal, but the outcome is undeniable. I mean, you have the Tennessee Valley Authority that, you know, brought a bunch of electrical grid work to mm. an area that was vastly rural. And I'm sure Tennesseans would probably not want to go back to looking uh, pretty, you know, pretty backwoods. Right. 
um, you know, even out in, you know, my neck of the woods, the Fort Peck Dam was uh, part of the New Deal. Hmm. And it, it was a huge engineering project, created one of the largest man-made lakes in the world. And that is still a major power generation source. It's a, it's a vacation source for some yeah. people. But one of the things that I tell people is, is that just because you know, you're afraid of change, that doesn't mean that you need to, you should be blocking it because right. whether or not you like it or want it, what is going to happen is, is that, you know, green energy is the next wave of the future. It has to be. It is. It, it is considerably. It, it's going to be whether or not people want it because the cost of producing solar is dropping. The cost of producing mm -hmm. wind is dropping. The cost of producing hydro is dropping. In right. fact, a lot of a lot of people are seeing that, you know, for flood control um, in coastal cities like Venice, this is a huge discussion where, you yeah, know, by having thermal gates or not thermal hydro gates, they're able to let in the proper amount of water, but mm -hmm. then let it release and generate power. Right. So, you know, um, I think one of the biggest pieces that is missing though is that I still think nuclear needs to be part of the discussion um, in terms of uh, green energy. The reason I say that is because it is the most efficient form of power generation that is also on demand and um, carbon neutral. Okay. I believe it's carbon neutral. I just think it's, it's a lot of work to steam water that we could find other ways to do. You know what I mean? But well, I mean, you, you still see that, that way to steam water because uh, spinning up steam turbines is more efficient than current photovoltaic methods. Yeah. Because that's exactly what you see with, you know, in the California desert and the Arizona desert there, it's not just these fields of solar panels. They're using solar collector mirrors to, mm. to superheat uh, salts and use that to heat water that then spins turbines. Because, you know, even in those, even in those solar towers with the collector mirrors, yeah. they're superheating uh, liquid salt essentially. And that liquid salt holds on to heat. So it allows them to generate electricity through the night. That's so cool. So, I mean, photovoltaic is great because it's a quick, it's a quick way to just get direct energy, but unfortunately it's just not the most efficient that it could be yet. And that's where it's yeah. just going to take science. And we to, have the, we have the, we have the space to put something nuclear mm -hmm. in a place where nobody's going to get hurt by it, you know? And well, so, it's not even just that. It's that, you know, even, you know, when people think of nuclear, you know, they're thinking of, you know, GE plants from the 1950s. They're thinking, mm. you know, the Russian reactors that yeah, were in Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah. Well, just that just in and Japan. Fukushima, and Fukushima Daiichi, which is yeah. actually a GE reactor mm. from the 1950s. Um, is that why my GE stock is sitting at like $6? Well, that and bad management. Jack Welsh was actually a genius when it came to managing GE. And, and every time he steps away, um, <clears throat> it just dive bombs. Hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that there are new reactor types out there that have been created that, you know, I'm not a nuclear physicist, but based on everything that I've read, the way that, it, the way that these new breeder reactor works with thorium will allow you to pretty much 
use all of the fuels that you would input down to zero and they are a lot safer and the 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 woman who designed these reactors was i mean it's it's absolutely incredible and i really do think that it's something worth considering also too you know we build bunkers into the ground you know to protect military assets oh yeah to me i don't see any reason why we couldn't build a reactor underground with the same kind of protections and if you had an oops meltdown you could literally just it's already buried yep and contained it's in a box yeah there's yep. there's safety methods to it you know what i mean so we we understand a lot more about what we could potentially do now mm-hmm. than we did back in the 1940s and 50s agreed agreed and which is why i think that it still needs to be part of the conversation just because you you do need to have some type of uh on demand system I mean, there's no question, you know, that wind is effective. I mean, the the Mm -hmm. feasibility study from Montana and Wyoming alone shows that the wind energy out there could power the entire Western 18 states without, you know, any burden. If there's, if there's major fires in the area and you can't use the turbines in like an entire coastline, Mm -hmm. then suddenly your power grid is down to nothing and you need something as a backup. So I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's definitely one you know mm-hmm. the, that's definitely something that needs to be considered but when you look at government involvement versus um private sector yeah i like this discussion to me they you know you know where the, where you know people like aoc fall is is that they they feel as though these taxes need to be collected by the government and then from there the government then picks the winners and losers of what the next wave of technology should be. And then they take that money and after they get their administrative cut, then they move into whatever they think is going to be the winner or the loser of the technology. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately I just don't see that as the best method simply because number one, you're, you're already taking a substantial piece of that funding that you're collecting through taxes to just pay the government to be a part of the, the, the process. Sure. And then from there, then you have the government, you, the, the entire system that you build everything by means of the lowest possible bidder mm-hmm. picking the winners and losers. And, you know, even John Glenn, who was about to be blasted off into space when they asked him what his, what was going through his mind, he said that, the fact that what I'm sitting on every single piece was made by the lowest bidder. Exactly. So to me, like I get why people see the allure of that because you know, you can create tax structures that would allow you to pull from these places where there is an abundance of wealth. Well, here, let me, let me ask you a question on that because my thought is that, we pick the winners and losers. We give grants like we always do. And in exchange, we get stock in that company. And then as the company grows, we have an incentive to make sure the company grows. And those dividends are what we would would have called taxes in the past. But now the government is getting dividends from its 25% in the next Apple. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then... I like the idea of money for stocks when bailing out banks, when bailing out the car industry, 
I mean, they had the opportunity to buy the stocks back. And I think that is something that I, I, that needs more transparency. You know what I mean? But I like the idea of the government getting money from dividends as opposed to taxing the people. I think, I think where you could potentially see a different hybrid model, and I don't know if anything like this exists, is, is that, you know, if there are private sector models that seem to be more effective, that the government have the ability to buy a 25% stake in something as a way of, you know, injecting cash into exactly. the system and you know this would be something voluntary by the companies mm -hmm. so that way you've got you've got the the funding of the federal government you've got the weight of the federal government behind you mm -hmm. there is you know you do have the burdens of making sure that you're reporting but if you're following sec guidelines at that point you That's should the be thing. with government funding comes reporting and companies mm -hmm. like boeing would have to be reporting annually instead of taking government money because we want them to do a private contract so that we mm -hmm. don't get the transparency that's the thing with all of that mm -hmm. that's how those companies grew was by getting these government contracts some people say from hangar 18 you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so all these companies just got all the government money and got and there's no oversight and i so i like my idea you know what i i, mean? I it, to me like if, if you're gonna be getting government money there has to be oversight because the government gets their money from me mm -hmm. and if you're not reporting to the government I can't see what you are and aren't doing. And I don't right. like the idea. And that's, that's generally like anybody who's, you know, on the right side of the spectrum, you know, the idea that I'm giving money to the government and I have no idea what it's going towards. It mm -hmm. doesn't sit well with me because exactly the, the inefficiencies of government are well known and well documented. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be participating in something like that, then I want to know that I can look through a very detailed report at yeah. any given moment to make sure that I'm not spending $20,000 on a hammer. That's right. That's oversight and worthy oversight. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that's where people, people are like, where did we go? Where did we get lost? We stopped paying attention because yes. we just stopped paying attention to everything. Cause everything was all right. You know, everything mm -hmm. was moderate. Nothing was Nixon. Nothing was Kennedy. It was just mm -hmm. fucking, Bush and Clinton and normal yeah, and Reagan and all. Yeah. But so, so with, with the idea that, you know, the two common discussions, like I said, was, you know, the government collects the taxes, the government mm -hmm. picks the winners and losers that, right. Right. N that doesn't sit well for me simply because, you know, you know, the government's going to take their cut and whether mm -hmm. or not it succeeds or fails, it doesn't necessarily matter as much exactly. as long as they get paid. And that bothers me. Whereas in the private sector, they don't want to invest in a loser. Right. Uh, because that's their money that they're going to lose. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a better way to, to encourage the shift and encourage it a lot faster. Than what's happening currently, and and what it boils down to is is it's something that the Democrats don't like. No, but Bernie Sanders might because it's a socialist idea. I think it, that's funny. My my idea is a socialist idea, and people are like, no to socialism, and I'm saying bring socialism for lower taxes. You know what I, I mean? Think, well, and that's and and that's the thing is is like I could see where you know an investment strategy like that by the federal government could be useful. 
Yeah. You know, because then, you know, in order to have some secure funding, com uh, corporations are going to have to um, make sure that they got their ducks in a row and that they're really yeah. putting their best foot forward. Otherwise, there's nothing worse than the government deciding that what you have is theirs. Right. Because they'll get their money back one way or another. They they don't care. <laughs> right. But, but on the same token, though, uh, when we look at what is going to encourage a shift over to different energy sources, it, it always boils down to funding. And the reality is, yep. is that fossil fuels get so many tax breaks. Yeah, they do. Subsidies. We pay them to do what they're doing. And, and there is, and there is not much of an incentive to, move over faster and eventually yeah. what's going to happen is is that the last person making fossil fuels they're going to be they're going to be the last you know horse and buggy salesman yeah because ultimately like right now it's still profitable but eventually it won't be and yeah. the last company that figures that out is going to be in for a world of hurt I did a, when I was in my master's program we had to pick a random topic like a, that we saw as the wave of the future and I picked green energy hmm. and and uh, basically we had to come up with this entire idea and pitch around how you would use your data and how you would basically create this strategy to make your idea happen and so I did this crazy idea where Royal Dutch Shell decides that they're gonna stop being a, a big oil company and Fuck become yeah. a big energy company yes that's what my question is why don't they do that shit why don't why aren't they switching over well so after i after i basically showed you know what a model of their you know cons, uh, commercial and residential service could look like six months later my professor emails me shell has a commercial and consumer solar panel project that they're doing Okay. And 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 it's it's going to be slow to roll out. I mean, unfortunately, just because you're asking them to take up a new sector, and so that means that one of two things has to happen: they either have to create, or they have to buy. Right. And so, if you're going to create, that means that you have to spend a bunch of time and money, R and D, this, mm -hmm. that, and the other, in order to create something that may or may not work. Or they, they've been buying patents. I know they've been buying uh, clean energy patents not even just patents they're buying companies that's and cool. and rather than having to reinvent the wheel now they buy these companies they have their own people in there yeah. and they now instead of having to front all of this money to build up what they have now they're just putting investments in to make it bigger and better yeah so See? their money is a lot more effective and efficient at doing that i love it it makes me wish that we were getting stocks from that company like mm -hmm. for the subsidies we were giving them you know what i mean because mm -hmm. we would be fucking about to kill it as a country our <clears throat> stock growth would be splitting soon you know what i mean absolutely well and and here's the and here's the other issue that you always have to contain contend with too it's about consumer demand and you know the demand for green energy is getting bigger it's just mm -hmm. that the ability to pay for it unfortunately is not growing as fast as it should right one of the things about adoptable technologies is is that a technology is only as adoptable as it is affordable to the lowest paid person right, right so right. for example 
you know, if, if Tesla only had $70,000 cars, the idea of it being adaptable by, you know, the person who makes $15 an hour, mm-hmm. never, it will not happen. Right. And that, and, you know, I talked about that on Adam has a beard that we're a consumer based economy. Mm-hmm. And so getting rid of people to me didn't make sense because Rich people don't buy as often. They buy better and it lasts. But poor people, immigrants, people, just your normal, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. normal people, we need to rebuy stuff, you Mm -hmm. know. And so that's what our country is based on. So we need more mouths buying more things, you know. Which means you have to find a way to make it the most affordable. And so now the question becomes, it's like, you know, I know that you, there's been a lot of talk about equity versus equal. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the ability of people to buy those technologies, rich people can afford it. But if all you do is just tax rich people, that adoption is going to be slower. If you tax mm-hmm. everybody, the adoption is going to be slow still, but now that burden that you're putting on the people that you need to adopt that technology, the the people who are less wealthy, Mm -hmm. it's now harder for them to adopt that. Then you have what I would consider, you know, maybe the, the right, the, the politically right version of what you were talking about in which I, instead of having the federal government invest in these strategies, which I, I actually do like that idea, the idea that I have is more about uh, being able to tax incentivize uh, these companies to research and develop these technologies by making them tax free. In the long run, yeah. No, in the short run, in the short term, like in the next twenty-five years, what I would do is I would. Okay. I would make these these technologies tax free for yeah, yeah. everything from production to wages to um, to purchase. Okay. Because the the fewer you know the fewer expenses that you have in producing something, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to make it cheap. Yeah. And when your focus is on making it cheap enough for the poorest person to buy, you don't want to be taking money out of their pocket to fund it. Exactly. And you don't, and you don't want to be doing it in such a way that it discourages large companies from putting any sort of money into that hat. So you because would want, like, a, you would want a limit on their profit on it. Long-term. I would, I would want, I would, I would, I wouldn't necessarily look at limits on profit so much as I would look at, you know, the uh, reducing their tax burden on that specific. Um, industry okay so like for example with shell big oil on one side we'll say clean energy on the other their 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 current tax rate on the big oil side should remain what it is and if they want to take advantage of using their profits and reducing their tax liability okay they need to be investing in the clean energy side. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And by showcasing the amount of money that they've either spent in research and development, in uh, eventually in production, and then moving that into sales. So you're, it's the charitable model. It's Shell gives a billion dollars to green energy for research and development, and they get a tax break for that money that they, yeah, right? 
you know, and, and whether or not it's, it's an external company or it's their own internal product, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because the idea of like, for example, like carbon taxes is that you're, you're paying that money to then invest in somewhere else. But the problem is, is, is that you pay that money to the government, the government takes their share and now a lesser amount goes into mm -hmm. actually doing what you want it to do. Whereas in this right. model, it's like, Hey, you report that if you've spent this amount of money directly spending on clean energy, yes. that's your tax write-off. So then the government's then the government's not taking a cut of that in order to fund that. And you know, the, a side thing for that is when a, <laughs> when a when a company decides to create a charity, it's the company that decides that who gets it. But when a government supports a charity, there's equal there's equality in who gets it, and that's the exactly. difference. And so, it doesn't matter to me if Microsoft is supporting the poor because who's who who are they deciding to support in where? It's not it's not equal. They get they get a tax break, so we all give them a break as people, saying we'll pay a little more, you pay a little less, but then we don't get the results of it, and that that's the problem. So I like government involved in that because the government is just a bigger version of me you know collecting as much money as it can from others and so it gets less from me and that's how i want to live my life and that's and 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 really it's just a matter of you know how do you how do you make that possible and, right. and really like the two methods like you know by the feds being able to invest like you suggest or the fed saying these are your targeted breaks if you actually want to have these tax breaks mm. this is where you have to spend your money otherwise tax rate is what it is yeah. And the other and, way is to have those conversations, like you said, getting the product to the poorest people, getting the people that don't quite understand this or have never thought about it, suddenly getting this information and having that thought and normalizing it. That's the other side of this. So I like what I like our part in all of this. We're discussing something that normal people can begin to have in normal conversations all over the place. And and really, you know, <clears throat> The end result, we want the same end result. It's mm. just that, you know, to me, government involvement means that less money is going to go where you want it. Yeah. But at the same, you know, if you use it as the money pass through method, but if you use government as the method of saying, this is what you're going to get your tax break on without us taking a cut, right. it makes it, to me, it puts more money into those initiatives that you want. But that and should be based and, on <clears throat> policies for all people in America. Exactly. And that's the thing. Green energy being supported by the coal industry or gas and oil. Yeah, that's what we want. We want less gas and oil. So I don't care if Shell, if Shell Chevron, ConocoPhillips exist if they become big energy and nice. are energy providers. I think that it would, in, in terms of business model, it's going to be wise for them. Otherwise, yep. they will lose what they have. And great, you know what? Show me that you have the best means of producing mm -hmm. clean energy yes. because that is going, that's going to be what ends up driving the consumer dollar yep. spent on your company later. Because people are going to be like, well, you know, I could go to Shell, you know, their their photovoltaic systems are 25% efficient mm -hmm. and, you know, or ConocoPhillips, let's say their systems are 30% efficient, but the cost of, you know, Shell systems is about half of, you know, a ConocoPhillips system. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it makes more sense. You know, yeah, you might not be as efficient, price war. but price wise, you would be able to buy more of those of those cells mm -hmm. so 
by by making them shift that balance and then having them compete against each other like they already do mm-hmm. it is going to be better for the consumer in the long run agreed you know and and that, like you said you know it's about method and and i think in yeah. the end it's going it's going to be a hybrid system between what you've said and what i've said that would make sense right. you know where you're going to get targeted tax breaks for investing in those systems and for for the money that gets invested into those systems the government can then invest its own money if it wants to as a means of funding itself that's right if the people decide on it and vote on it and make yep. it so yeah yeah, but we got to we got to pay attention to this stuff. You know what I mean? As a, as a nation, we have to have these conversations. Absolutely. So 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 something like that makes sense. It's just you know, unfortunately, the far right thinks that you know, you know, co- uh, companies are just going to do it whenever they feel like it, and it's going to be the right time. Right. But there but there's just you know they they don't see the idea of how government involvement could help push the needle Mm -hmm. and on the left you know you have the far left you have the idea that oh well these tax breaks are just all they're going to do is pocket that money and they're not going to actually put any into it well yeah if you if you don't properly regulate it yes that's exactly what would happen but if all you're going to do is jump to the far left and the far right and not actually have the discussion somewhere in the middle of how do we move this needle right then we're not going to move the needle and we're all going to complain as, you know, I choke under a blood red sky. Mm-hmm. But the, the, what the business model, why people voted for Trump was because he was a businessman that would, would bring a businessman perspective. What we're talking about is business, right? And he's, that's not what he's actually doing. He's not turning the government into no. a for-profit business. He's no. what he's doing is gutting and cutting, which is the Tea Party's version of less government, less we'll tax you less, but we'll get out we'll get out of everything. But I don't like that necessarily. The government was created because of necessity. A lot of the departments were the consumer protections and the, the agricultural scientists, you know. Um these people were brought about because of necessity, not because somebody decided to waste money on a on a on a whale, on a budget, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I, I mean. Yes, we want to know what's going on with penguins sometimes. Maybe not. Maybe that could be farmed out. But don't mm-hmm. privatize Social Security. Don't don't privatize the post office. These things are constitutional, you know. I like the, the government like, there. Like so, so what I always tell people, like with the post office, is that you know there is no constitutional amendment that guarantees the post office, but the founding fathers saw the United States Postal Service as very integral in ensuring our democracy worked. Mm. So I do think that I do think that there needs to be a little. I need to. I, I would like to see it run a little bit more like a business, kind of like the way that they run the Tennessee Valley Authority, almost. Mm. Um, in that you know the government appoints like its CEO during, you know, whoever is there for their four years, but that what they're doing is that they're using the analytics that, you know, any normal privatized company would use in order to set their pricing best. And, and unfortunately the government tends to make that very difficult 
you know, mm-hmm. when when USPS was trying to raise its prices, you know, you saw a lot of pushback from Democrats and Republicans saying, no, you can't do that. And the requirements for them had changed. It's like, well, if they can't adjust their pricing, but they have to put out more money for retirement. Yeah, it was the uh, retirement funding, the thing that you had yep. to fund it 75 years into the future or something. And that just put them in a hole. Yep. And it's like, it's, if you're go if you're going to require that change, then you have to allow them to change their pricing in order to meet that goal. And you could have done that over time, but Mm -hmm. they did it in one fell swoop. And that's, that's, that's how you make poor business decisions is, is Mm -hmm. that you don't incrementally adjust. It's kind of like when, you know, even just to talk about it on a small business scale, what most small businesses do, like when they're starting to get too busy and they're starting to get too crowded, everybody goes, oh, great, I'm just going to buy a much bigger space. And then, okay, well, did you really think this through? Because what most analysis shows us is that if you double your space, then you need to be four times as profitable mm. because it's not a linear regression. It's like, oh, I have two times the space. That means I'm going to have oh, two yeah. times the money. No, it's usually about, if you have two times the space, you usually have about four times the expenses. Cost is exponential. So if you don't actually, you know, it's exponential to a limiting factor. Mm. And, And so if you don't, you know, hit that, that curve properly, you know, this is where, you know, my calculus and all of this other fun stuff comes in. If you, you know, when they're like, okay, so I doubled my space and you look at a curve that's kind of like this, mm-hmm. that's the way that it works, the law of diminishing returns. So that slight move over increases your expenses a whole lot. Right. And eventually as you get bigger and bigger, that, that, that increase in expenses definitely goes down. Yeah. Especially it, when there's less people in the, on the planet to like use that product. Right. But, but that initial investment into how do you get further along that curve is, it is very damaging. Mm -hmm. And so people think that, oh, by having two times the, you know, two times the space, I'm going to have two times the profit. It usually doesn't work that way. You have Mm -hmm. four times the expensive, meaning that if you're breaking even, you're doing all right. And most people don't consider that. And so really what it is, is that you just, you want to incrementally increase your space because if you have downtimes that you're not profitable, that gets magnified with, if you have a bigger space and people don't think about that. so, which is why, you know, in, in some of the companies that have helped, I tell them that it's like, I know that the allure of doubling or quadrupling your space is great, but the reality is, is that your expenses are exponential at this point. And, you're going to have to bring in far more than what you're expecting that you're going to have to. Yeah. And some people listen, some people don't. And unfortunately the ones that haven't listened, mm-hmm. they've struggled. That's the whole model of shark tank though, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do, you know, and, but for me, it's, you know, I want to see the small guy succeed because the small guy is the one who employs the most people. They employ sure. the people in your community. And if you're going to invest in your community, the best way to do it is local most of the time. I agree. That's a different conversation than the government we've been talking about. Right. So to get back to the whole premise of the Green New Deal is, is that if mm. you don't actually sit down and have the conversation about what means are going to allow us to move the needle, Mm -hmm. then 
all you're going to see is people yelling at each other and not actually moving the needle. Yeah, They're well, attacking the, the man and not the method. Who who are the people that that's what the government what that's what politicians are is who do you want in the room having those conversations on your behalf? And right. I be, that's why I believe that having these conversations here push policy up instead of policy being forced on us. And mm -hmm. it brings me to a point that I, I thought of was that a politician has to to get elected by connecting to its, his constituents on a moral basis, on a personal basis, but then he has to govern against that because he has mm -hmm. to govern for the people and not just for the segment that believe in his morals. And so there's a big disconnect there with mm -hmm. a politician and somebody that governs. And that's a problem to me that I'm just, I just got about a week in my head of thinking about once in a while, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and, and that's, and unfortunately that's one of the biggest issues that is pervasive in politics right now is, is that you have politicians that, you know, while elected by a segment of the people are only there to represent that segment and they're not trying to mm -hmm. do anything for the other segment of the people. And it's Republican or Democrat. It doesn't right. matter. No. It's, it's the same. There's and, Republicans and you, in California, you know, and there's Democrats in Texas. Right. And, and, unless, and unless you're sitting down and really just, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm a Republican because I got voted in by a Republican group. But I need to, you know, do some things that allow for us to, you know, appease the Democratic side, you know, some compromise. Mm. Shocking word, I know, compromise. It's so terrifying anymore because, oh, we're compromising, compromising with fascists or we're compromising with commie liberals and oh god i think it's i think it's easy there it, there isn't a lot of room for compromise a representative talks to his district gets their opinion goes to where he's supposed to go and votes the way his district says there's there's not a lot of compromise in that unless he's going to go back to his district and say this is what they're offering now how do you feel about that and then goes back and says all right there's compromise but otherwise that's in the senate the senate represents your state interests mm -hmm. while the house represents their district in interests so i don't see a lot of wiggle room in in that it's, you know it's not necessarily about the voting at that point it's about the legislation and the mm -hmm. reality is is that the compromise the compromise isn't in the voting it's in it's in the writing process and in that writing process you have you know as i had mentioned to somebody else you know the reason why the the federal government system is as dysfunctional as it is is because you have a, gov a government that is minimally effective when one party controls the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And after that, it's completely dysfunctional. Yeah. And I think and, about I think about the the amendment that had the word "he" that eliminated all women from having rights. So mm -hmm. the government definitely fucks up from time to time. And and that's and that's the problem is is that you know until you know until we get back to the idea of normal order where Republicans talk to Democrats and Democrats talk to Republicans there mm -hmm. is no them it's us and, and until we get back to talking about the method and not attacking the the person yep this this is going to be a struggle exactly but it's it's supposed to, it's cut and dry it's cut and dry what should be happening it's just there's a lot of egos from our voice to the writing like you mm -hmm. said 
And that's the problem. It should be more fact. But I don't care if it has to be streamlined to where a representative has a Facebook poll. And, you know, if you want to have a say in this, you know, go ahead and vote. Like, there needs to be some accountability. He needs to, our representative at least needs to know our opinion on it. You know I what I mean? I think one of the things that I have, I have, I have thought about, you know, that I watched other countries do that I'm honestly surprised that I don't see us do, considering we consider ourselves a democracy, um, and we'd like to tout that, is that there are very few federal, there, there really haven't been any federal referendums. And really, that's, you know, that is something that I feel that <clears throat> a, a sitting president really needs to do, really mm -hmm. needs to think about doing is, is that if there are some things that they want to accomplish, then what they need to do is they need to have a referendum at a federal level that would allow everybody to go in and vote during election time that says, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Please vote it up or down. Yep. And if the people say yes, then that is a mandate from the country as a whole to get yes. it done. So like what you're saying is instead of an executive order, it would be a referendum. I like yes. this idea. I don't like the idea of one person having that kind of power. I it's never ridiculous. have. It's ridiculous. Because all it's, it, you know, whether or not it was Obama or whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden, it doesn't matter. One person having that much power is eventually going to lead to an abuse yep. uh, on a scale that we are going to be horrified by well because we can't we can't negotiate in the middle anymore if we're pushed to the left and to the right there's no negotiations going on and there hasn't been there wasn't with obama because he was so far left and now there isn't with trump because he's so far right nobody's in the center doing anything for us nothing for the people right and and so i think that i think that in a lot of ways there needs to be a return to some form of direct democracy mm -hmm. in that you know when we have you know these con congressional stalemates like we have currently that it is incumbent upon the president to have a referendum on what needs to be accomplished yes. and it's like so like on for example on a stimulus package you know every, you got the republicans saying oh well we're not going to do this and you got the democrats saying oh we're not going to do this okay well put up a series of check boxes and let the american people vote twelve hundred yes. another twelve hundred dollar stimulus check yes yes health care expenses yes education expenses no it should like, it should, should be an app what's coming up next daily like <laughs> an app that just says vote yes or no on this every day you know what i, I mean? would love to see something like that but in a dream world it, i mean our the federal government's investment in security outside of the military is next to nothing yeah but somebody that created that app would have a market that was total right mm -hmm. and they could they could secure it however they want but they'd have a market that was total they would just it would be the next thing it would be the next boeing it would be just awesome well one of the things that i've i've talked about is is that even at a local level when it comes to elections the way that we're still the way that we're running it is inefficient like i'm, I'm learning I know that yeah we're like we're having this fear-based conversation about elections and coronavirus and the risks and the reality is is that 
you know, the American public should be getting their ballot mailed to them. You show up at your voting precinct with your voter registration card, because that means that all the work's already been done. Your mm-hmm. ballot's already filled out. You get it tabulated, and then yep. you get your receipt back. In Montana, that's, you know, we didn't do that, but when you got your vote counted, we got a tabulated receipt back to us that showed us what we voted for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that way you knew you knew exactly what you voted for. Um, here in Washington, you can sign up to get text messages that show whether or not your vote has been counted. Yeah. See, so, I like I like the app idea though because you could change your vote right up to the election, and you, all the votes would be tallied. I'm just thinking of few because I've thought about this app a lot. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. you, you get the you want to vote for this person or this person, you can read the headlines, like read more. You can get all the information from the person, find mm-hmm. ver- verified sites. You know what I mean? And then pick right up to like the election. You're like, oh, did he just do that the day of the election? Change. You know what I mean? And 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 to me, like there has to be something that allows you to do that as well. Um, exactly. We saw that in Montana uh, during um, an election cycle where, you know, the Republican candidate ended up choke slamming a reporter and it took mm-hmm. fox news saying yeah that actually happened for people right. to be like oh and and a bunch of people had already mailed in their absentee ballots and, yeah. and whether or not that would have changed any minds i i can't say but um, but people should have the ability to be like no nah, you know what i don't yeah. want my vote to go towards that person i don't feel that that represents me now given the fact that you know the last four years of politics have been batshit insane Mm -hmm. i don't think that it would have changed anything Mm -mm. but i do think that you know people should have the ability to make their vote as late as they need to or want yeah I think so too i like the idea of having technology do it it's just that Mm -hmm. until there is a very secure way that not only number one confirms you know you would have to have a multi-factor authentication system in order to confirm your voting yeah and and so that's you know therein you know lies uh, a huge rub in that how much privacy are you willing to give up to ensure that your right to vote is because they're collecting everything on you to verify that it is you and then they they possess that that would mean that you know for those of us who use our fingerprint scanner on our phone as a form of 2fa Mm -hmm. that means that the government has your fingerprint as a form of 2fa in order to ensure that it's you now granted for me i was once a federal employee my fingerprint is already in every system which is why when i had my background check to get my concealed weapons permit everything went really fast for me i'm a former fed (laughs) so not it wasn't i didn't you know the scrutiny was still there but everything about me is already in the system you know but for other people that's not going to be the case and I underst- I totally respect that want and need and right to privacy. But that's where we, that's where the conversation be should be headed instead of paper. I think we gotta we gotta think advanced. You know what I mean? Well, and and unfortunately, that just means that whatever system that you use for that, if there's any way that it can communicate with the outside world, that means that the outside world has a way to get in. Exactly. That's the, I mean, there is a rub to it, of course, like with mm-hmm. everything. But I think. I think we should start having that discussion instead right. of having the discussion of going backwards to me, you know, do both. Mm-hmm. I mean, do paper. Now we got to get, we need paper to survive right now, but I'm saying we can't do 
in four years be like, let's rely on paper again. We can't no, do that no. again. We need a technology to wow. make it so easy for people to. And I got this from fucking American Idol, dude. You know, well, if they also, could manage that, we right. could manage it. Well, you also have you also have the issue. Uh, uh, this is one that I I all I tell people a lot is you have the other issue that you have by relying solely on technology is, is that you, you are then putting the belief in that everybody has access to that technology. Mm. Okay. So people in prison can't vote. Mm. That's because of that, you know, already they can't vote because of felonies or whatever. I think felons should be allowed to vote and prisoners should be allowed to vote. They're the ones that want to change the most, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I feel, I feel like stripping them of their right to vote is, is illegal. Yep. Um, I, I, I really do feel that that is illegal um, in terms of, you know, punishing them as a member of society, stripping of them, stripping them of their right to vote is especially heinous i agree i feel like i feel like if you're going to strip someone of their right to vote it needs to be for something like voter fraud mm -hmm. yeah that to me is you get stripped of your right to vote because you can't you 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 think that the system is there for your abuse right. i don't feel that prisoners uh inmates people that have had yeah. that stripped away from them for other reasons should have that stripped away that's, some, I, I that's just that's, some jim crow shit that's what they yes they, they put a law up that said no jaywalking but then if a black person did it felony if a white person did it misdemeanor and that's how it all mm -hmm. started and that's just that's some when you look at, shit that we don't think about you know and when you look at the prison population using doj's own uh, own numbers i mean the prison population is populated eight times more by black people than white people and i think like three or four times more by Latino than white people, despite the fact that 74% of crimes committed in this country are committed by white people. Well, yeah, and it's just a, a that's a policing. Uh, one of these judges I talked to said it's a policing thing. If white people were policed like black people were policed, the numbers would even out. And I don't know it's, if I agree with that. My friend explained to me that white people are a little more discreet in their crimes. You know what I mean? And so no, I'm, no, I'm they're not. As to how they're it turns not. Out. <laughs> Uh, I mean, from my own uh, experience in the justice system, having worked criminal defense, what I can say is, is that the way that people approach justice for people of color versus where how they approach justice for white people is vastly different. I'm sure it is. It, you know, the just in the way that you know, you know, this person lives in this area, they had to have done it versus. They mm -hmm. had, well, they have a future ahead of them and, oh, they've got a family and this, that, and the other. It's like, and none of these other people had families. Right. None of these other people had a future. Roger it, Stone gets off because he's old, but nobody else gets off at that age. Well, and, and, and it's, it's not even like, surprisingly, you want to know where the age drop off is where, where it becomes actually equal hmm. or where you might expect it to become equal after your forties. Interesting. In in like after about forty five, the the prison population there actually looks statistically about what you would expect it to look like in terms of crime. Hmm. But that younger generation, it is so far skewed uh, yeah. against people of color, and that's well, by DOJ's own numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, what most people don't realize is, interestingly enough, the DOJ has reported that in the last 
uh, since 1990, I think it was in their numbers, that the prison population has dropped about 8%. So like the number of people in prison is going down, but that's, but what does that tell you about the system that still exists in a for-profit, you know, prison environment? It's all for profit. We've talked on Adam as a beard to Sean about the criminal justice system being profit. And we talked to Lauren Culp and I explained putting, putting a homeless person in prison to run him through the system, to spit him out and make him homeless again. Nobody won except for the person that housed him. You know what I mean? Exactly. A, you, the, you don't change the system. You're not changing the metric. You're not right. changing anything. Sure, they're they're well, you you've seen that in Seattle. It's just that you've seen the left hand version of it where they get them into mental health and treatment for thirty days, long enough to get them to piss clean, then they kick them yep. back out on the street. Yep. And within a few months they've already they start using again. Yep. And they just you know, it's a recidivism that they're back in the system every twelve days. If they commit a crime, they go to jail. If they don't commit a crime, they're back in the hospital. And it's well, just profit, 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 profit to me. It's it, well, and, and, and you can actually, like, they're actually showing cyclical data where it's like about every 12 to 18 months, the people that have gone through these programs to get them well, mm. they're back in the same program again. Yeah. And, and what does that tell you? That means that you're not doing the work to make the treatment stick, or you're not giving them enough choice to kill themselves. Yep. Sorry, I just had this conversation on Adam as yep. a beard. I think we, I, I called it herd immunity for addiction. Give yep. everybody heroin, and the ones that want it, just give them all they want until they kill themselves, and you'll be left with a population that doesn't want heroin. <laughs> you, you know, you would be surprised and, uh, with that. I mean, with the opioid epidemic being what it was, the number of people who turn to heroin because they've been through the healthcare system and get yeah. stuck on opioids, do the, the people that I have seen actually go after heroin after being on opioids, there's some people out there, I'm like, there's no way that I would have ever imagined you doing this. Right. It's just cheaper. It's more cost effective. Um, and unfortunately, it's not well regulated and it's not, you know, there's no product safety yeah. and and people are passing around dirty needles and this, that and the other. And I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is, is, is that, you know, there was a there was a system failure there and nobody wanted to take it, you know, uh, nobody wanted any accountability for it. Well, I think you give people freedom of choice and let them figure it out for themselves. Let them govern themselves. I, I mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hardcore get shit or get off the pot believer in addiction if you think you're addicted don't cry don't cry to me about it if that's the time to just do something because the next day that you live is the first one that you'll live without drugs but you're not going to do that by taking drugs so every time you take drugs you failed but you have a chance the next day to succeed take Mm -hmm. one just take one of them there's 365 Mm -hmm. of them in a day it's going to be tough but the days will get easier and 10 years from now you're going to be just not even remembering the shit you went through right and and even then like even with the science now where you have so many studies showing about you know using marijuana to get off of opioids has been a Mm. significant help it's you know basically government involvement got us to the point where people are self-medicating with the worst of the worst Mm -hmm. rather than you know things that are proven to be safe yeah i get it maybe not the best choice but is safer than you know a bottle of booze i guarantee you that much i agree and i consider i think everybody should smoke well 
I knew a guy that couldn't smoke pot, but he right. could do cocaine like a boss. Like, <laughs> like it was coffee to him. But like, I can't do coke. Don't give me cocaine because I won't stop taking cocaine. But I like pot, but he couldn't. He's like, he couldn't function if he took one hit off of a joint. You know, he'd be like, ah, you know. Well, I think, well, that's that's where, you know, I've had that stuff where I can't function. Mm -hmm. But then there's the stuff that I, I have where it's like, I don't even get high or right. if I smoke a whole bunch of it, I'll finally get a little bit buzzed, mm -hmm. but it works great as a painkiller for me exactly. and having a permanently uh, permanent tear in my shoulder. It really helps me out. Yeah. <clears throat> sativa motivates me. You know what I mean? And so <clears throat> I get a lot more done with the sativa. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely, uh, I definitely eat a lot more cookies with the uh, Indica. Yeah, definitely. I'm chill. Um, I love I'm cookies. chill with the Indica, bro. I'm chill. Oh, with yeah. It. So, uh, so yeah, so, the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, uh, the Green New Deal is, is people need to start looking at it as an approach for where science can do its thing and where corporations can get involved. And until people stop trying to go to far ends of the spectrum, mm -hmm. like the Green New Deal is a great outline of how things will change and that it needs to be discussed it needs to be uh it needs to be well thought out and well reasoned and yeah. whether and we, you are for we, more government involvement or less government involvement or you know a hybrid thereof it's it is a great starting place to make the changes that we need to make uh that honestly will it will honestly do better by everybody. I agree. And we need to have a voice in that. The people mm -hmm. need to have a voice in that. I think that's what we just talked about, the different ways that we could or should or would have had a voice in, in almost everything going on. And that is always a great conversation, you know? You know, uh, but, uh, but also too, you know, you, there has to be a, a very level way of going through the Green New Deal and having that discussion with people mm -hmm. on both sides. Because let's face it, I grew up in a conservative part of the world and you know, I don't want corporations polluting my land or my water no, because no. I don't get it to catch big fish or shoot big deer. <laughs> if, right. if that's the case, right. you know, I have my selfish reasons for that too, you know? Yep. And you don't need a gun law in Montana that regulates people in Chicago. It would exactly. be a vastly different policy to put up, you know? Exactly. And we got to exactly. think about these things. There's, there's a role for every level of government. And I think the problem is, is like we yell at Trump and we yell at Biden, but they have so little to do with it, you know, and we're not looking for the actual people that we should be talking. Like, like my friend Sierra at Florida Action, she actually monitors commission meetings and, and um, court, courtroom proceedings and mm -hmm. looks for errors and biases that's the shit more people should be doing when you have mm -hmm. your downtime stop listening to public access america and go ahead and try and tune into a commission meeting or try and find a, a stream over you know at that listen to your state legislators and find out what they're doing yeah you know and and really you know what's going on at the national federal level is an absolute disaster because there is no compromise whatsoever. Right. But but where you as an individual can affect what happens within your state is a lot easier to do yeah. by by understanding what is happening within your state and and 
going to it's a lot easier to access your reps in your state uh yes. than it is to access your state rep to the feds yes we've interviewed i think nine nine candidates that were running you know what i mean so mm -hmm. yes they they want to they want to talk and they want to know what's going on you and know? it's important i think i think that's one of the that's one of the things that Bernie Sanders really did well, um, even though he didn't make the final cut was he started doing more of a one on one, like, like almost like FDR's fireside chats mm -hmm. about what he's wanting to do. And people were giving him feedback. I mean, there were plenty of trolls that were just, you know, yelling social communist, blah, blah, oh, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, whatever. But the thing is, is that, you know, if, if, if we're just going to boil down things to Nazis and communists, we're never going to get anything done. Bernie Sanders had a message in 2016, and it, it was the same message in 2020. And we wanted somebody that would be doing more than we would have gotten last time. I think that's Bernie's problem. His message didn't evolve, although his policies did, and he just couldn't explain that properly. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, I, I, I also feel that with him as well is, is that, you know, the left felt that they needed someone that could entice enough Republicans over and Bernie wasn't that candidate. Definitely wasn't. I don't know that you would see things like, you know, Repub the, like the Republican veteran action group that you're seeing right now or, um, mm -hmm. um, or the Lincoln project. I don't know that you would necessarily see that if Bernie was the candidate, right. but because, you know, Joe is pretty much just Republican light. It's a lot easier for people to stomach the idea of voting for Joe Biden on the right. Right. I mean, the, in, in all honesty, like his policies are pretty much just that. There's very few differences in policy between a Republican and Joe Biden. But, but actually, Joe Biden's policies are more progressive than Obama's and closer to Bernie Sanders. And so that's just such a weird dynamic to have. It is weird, but also at the same time, it's strategic on his part because he engaged Bernie Sanders and mm -hmm. tried to get the progressive core involved because... And then he just stopped. I don't know that he's actually just stopped, uh, to be honest. I think it's... I think right now it's it's that shift of, you know, the progressives are going to follow Bernie to vote for Biden. I really think that's that's going to be the case. But now where you see the real peril is getting enough in, you know, people that are considered independent or in mm -hmm. the center uh, to vote for Biden and enticing some of the Republicans over. So it's a very strategic me message shift in order to get those people over um, simply yeah. because because what happened in 2016, whether whether people want to believe it or not, Hillary may have won the popular vote. But in the places that she lost, she didn't, you know, she didn't lose white people. Hmm. People of color stayed home. Yeah. White, white people who were progressive stayed home. Yeah. And that's, and that should tell you everything that you need to know about why Michigan fell the way mm -hmm. that it did. Of course, by, by like less than 3000 votes in Wisconsin. You know what I mean? And was yep. It's people stayed home because they felt shilled by the Democratic Party. Yeah. That that's why somebody asked me, and we've just talked about this, why are Trump supporters so 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 diehard? And I tried to explain is because the Democrats have assumed that that's their base 
and they don't ever communicate to the poor white person. And so the entitled and the racist got there first. But because Joe Biden can never give a, hey, poor white people, I got your back speech. He just can't do it. He should do it, though. Well, and, and I honestly, what he, he needs is he needs more people that come from poor backgrounds working in his cabinet. Yeah. It's, it's not just that he can't give that speech. I mean, Joe Biden definitely can give a good working man speech. He did it. But he can't but, say, he can't, like, they would take that white people part and think it was somehow racism. But it's a demographic right. he has to go for. You know, and I'm going to tell you, my friend loved Kamala Harris. Loved her, loved her, loved her. She said the word reparations. He was like, I don't even know who that girl is anymore. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And that's how, that's, that's the white vote that he's missing that he's not saying i got your back too they're, they're assuming that of course because he's an old white guy he is going to have white people's backs as well as as well as the other demographics and i don't think yep. that the democrats are portraying that 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 we love white people as well as black people as well as asian and handicapped we love you all because they're not allowed to say the word white people without going oh we're pandering to our own demographic and you know right and and that's and i think that's that that in and of itself is like the greater problem of identity politics in the current yes. era right now it's yes. that you know it, what most people don't realize is, is that if you're poor, you have more in common with a poor, as a poor white person, you have more in common with a poor black person, a I poor do, Latino yeah. person. You know, you have more in common in that, you know, that struggle to figure out where your next meal is going to come from, mm -hmm. what you're going to do to keep clothes on your kids' backs or exactly. get them to school the next day. You know, you have more in common with that person than you'll ever have in common with a rich person. And guess what? There's a lot more poor people than there are rich people. Exactly. So that's why I use the term American, because we're all Americans. You can't divide that to me. To me, an American is like the heading. It's where go, everything goes first. Like, what are you, American? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Human right. goes right before that. Human, yep. American. <laughs> and everything else comes after. And so even even if my brother has an issue with, with me and in this country and he's racist, then there's a way around that. But America, yep. I defend Americans from outside forces above everything mm -hmm. else. And it doesn't matter if I'm punching my brother in the arm once in a while. We'll get past yep. that as Americans, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. So let's let's talk about this week in news. Yeah, let's do the, uh, yeah, let's do a wrap up. We've got about 15 minutes, let's do that. Let's, yeah, let's do a quick little one. What happened so, this week? So what happened this week? You know, in, in talking about what, what news is and what fake news is, we've seen two very interesting developments. Mm. Uh, one, one being, you know, I would, you know the, the two ends of the spectrum. You have the issues with the mainstream media, and then you have the, the issues with fake news. Yep. So the big one that everybody's been talking about right now is this Woodward interview with Trump, oh, three, yeah. you know, back in March. Oh, yeah. And people have been, you know, absolutely just destroying, you know, trying to destroy Trump over the fact that, you know, he would say these things, that he knew that the virus was more deadly, that he mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, was going to downplay it and this, yes. that, and the other. And, you know, uh, the more that I got to thinking about it, I wasn't pissed at Trump. I mean, not any more than I normally am. Okay. Because let's face it, 
that that does not surprise me. Where I got absolutely angry was at this journalist who claims, you know, who's now releasing this um, right when he's going to be selling a book. Mm-hmm. Because to me, he is just as culpable as Trump is because he had proof. He had the proof that what Trump was going to do was going to cost American lives. Yeah, and he waited until we couldn't do anything about it because of the 60-day rule, you know? Like, the government really isn't allowed to chime in for 60 days around an election, right? And, and well, while I wish that that would have been... I wish that would be a good enough reason for me. The reality is, is, is that if, if I would be accepting of that, if there wasn't a book coming out, because ultimately what this journalist is doing is profiting off of the death and misery and pain and mm-hmm. suffering that 6 million plus Americans have endured and almost 200,000 Americans died. Yeah. It was just 9-11 yesterday, by the way, and it it dawned on me, 3,000 people died in 9-11. Like, 1,000 people are dying every day in our country, just falling dead like a zombie movie, you know what I mean? We've had had approximately 64 9-11s, is is what the death count ends up coming out to. So... And, and so to me, like this idea that this journalist is like doing this great deed for all of us by exposing Trump and his lies is it is he is no different than John Bolton. He's no different than I any do. of the other people that, you know, Trump has fired that have now come out to speak against him. It, in fact, I would argue that he is probably the worst person simply because what he had and what he could have released could have saved a lot of lives. I agree. And I, I don't think it's binary. I think I get to hate both of the men. I think oh, I, yeah. I get to hate both of them for what I've been. Oh through. yeah, absolutely. And and that's why, you know, when I, when I said, you know, that was a case of two bad things happened at the same time, mm-hmm. we got confirmation that Trump was going to do Trump. Yep. And, and it, yeah, it pisses me off and it's absolutely evil. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that for the first time in the presidency, in in all of the quote unquote hoaxes and witch hunts, yeah, you actually had his word saying what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And there's and others with that. I guarantee you, there's nothing. others with it. And 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 to have that information, and do nothing yeah. except wait until you can sell a book. Yeah. Honestly, that makes you just as evil. You were the adult in the room, and you didn't adult yep and 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 so when people get pissed at the the what the mainstream media is and and a group can't understand it this is example a Mm -hmm. it's like this is where if you were going to have an honest and and integrity moment in journalism missed it by six months yep oh i agree and now you all you do is all you just look like somebody who hates Trump mm-hmm. and are profiting off of the people who have suffered and died. Right. You're waiting until after Labor Day, which is what everybody said they were going to do. Like every Republican was going to jump ship after Labor Day, you know, and and so everybody's firing their attacks between now and October against him. Mm-hmm. So 
when, you know, this is where we have that great, you know, moral issue of, you know, when we talked about what are your sources, when we talked about what, what is it that you expect facts to look like? Like, this was something where all we had to have was this, and maybe the entire tro- the entire tone of the pandemic would have changed. Yeah. Right, right in the early days when we could have done something more and better about it. Or worse yet, when John Bolton had his he should have had his say, and chose not to because of a book deal. Because if he had been impeached and removed, well, who knows what would have happened with this situation altogether. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Pence to me is just as frightening, but yeah. Well, I'm so yeah. He is. This is he, he's a lab boy. He's a he's a talking t- roll of toilet paper to me. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like why are we paying attention to that? So 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 this is where when you want to have this whole discussion of honesty and integrity in journalism and how it's supposedly this sacred mm-hmm. this sacred thing that needs to be upheld when when you're a journalist and your entire point is to get the dirt so that way you can sell a book you've no longer you're no longer serving in a capacity that you know you would consider to be yeah exactly this was this was purely about money mm-hmm. everybody and 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 this is where i feel really frustrated is is that everybody's profiting off trump yes i noticed family. that and and rather than and rather than be okay with you know calling the bad they want to make money off of it and that yeah. is that should be disturbing and that should be what makes people go wow maybe this is maybe it is time for you know the journalism system to have its own revamp well, yeah because every opinion guy on cnn and fox is selling a book so they're literally getting paid for their I noticed that this guy was he was hawking a book and he was on the Sunday shows and I was like he's making what is he going to do when there's no Trump what is he going to do for money doesn't matter he'll sell enough copies of that book that he won't ever do a damn thing ever again but that's my point everybody on both sides is making money off of the Donald Trump you know and what I mean? and and that's and that is really unfortunate because that is that the idea of profiteering and death like mm-hmm. that should be especially heinous to anybody with a conscience yeah. because you know whether or not you think the shutdown was necessary whether we should have all gone for herd immunity or whether or not we should have uh worn masks and, and stayed home or you know somewhere in between where you know i think that you know had had we just had a president say look you know best we've got is you know wear a mask stay distant from each other but you know mm-hmm. go for go for life as close to normal as you can you know businesses make the best decisions for yourself and for your employees you know and if we're noticing that there are some places where cases are popping up then we need to have state intervention whatever it was i think we should have hunkered down in our bunkers for for a month just just i think isolated it, like motherfuckers for a month or you know and I think then opened Fauci up. said 60 days would have been mm-hmm. a, a huge turning point in the beginning okay two months well yeah because the infection and then the cure you have to cure those that are infected so yeah. yes you hunker down for i think it was 14 days the gestation of the virus at the time and then take the people that are sick and cure them before everybody else comes out 
and right. where that would tap down the virus. So, so what you saw was a particularly egregious violation of trust from a member of the journalistic community that that very few people you know actually picked up on and surprisingly seth myers i think was one of the people that said wow like the number of people lauding this guy just don't get it like this guy knew what was going to happen yeah and only cared about enough only cared enough about money I have, and I just think for the where, record, I've heard that on, on MSNBC, I have heard that, that why did he not release this sooner? You know what I mean? Like, I somebody was actually in shock over it. Like, I can't believe this, and I can't believe that it wasn't sooner. And so, yeah. but people aren't putting the timeline together. They're so fucked up on everything. They can't right. even put a timeline of events together without getting confused. Right. So, so the, you know, it's a case of two bad things happening at the same time. Trump did Trump. And while Mm. I'm, you know, very angry and frustrated about that, you know, there was one point he tried to make, which, you know, does have some validity to it in that you don't want to cause a panic, especially up against something you don't know, because people don't handle the truth very well, especially when that truth involves a lot of uncertainty. You mean like buying billions of dollars worth of toilet paper just on a whim? And hand sanitizer and all of that. Like it's, you know, people don't handle the truth very well. And you could have very well have seen a more epic run on those kind of supplies because of that revelation. I I, I do believe that is possible. But at the same time, if you would have actually taken an approach of, you know, here's what other countries do that allow them to keep operating at normal. So we're going to adopt something similar. Mm -hmm. Or here's what our recommendation is from a health perspective. Had we actually embraced, you know, you know proven science and yes. you know what other countries have done to minimize their impact you, you get a 9-11 commission together you do what they fucking say and that's how you go but you get input from everybody not some 71 year old that could have had a series of strokes you know what right. i mean somebody like a group of people i always think of the presidency as like this cabinet where the american people are just this like video screen and it's a vote on everything that's talked about like right. you know just this running tally approve disapprove approve this you know just by people tuning right. in i think that would be just so amazing like okay there's 12 of us there's the president and then there's the people well i think and i think that's where you know a return to a, a direct democracy a little bit more is is i think vital at this point i think so too the other thing you saw within the news, at least out here in the West Coast, is with all the wire, wildfires going on, mm. um, there has been some quote-unquote revelations from QAnon saying that, you know, Antifa and BLM are out starting all of these fires. Mm. You've gotten, and it's gotten so bad and to the point where multiple sheriff's offices around Washington here and, and in Oregon and California are having to tell people to stop spreading rumors because so far they have no connection that they've been able to determine. Right. It's lightning strikes. So unless they're putting up holes somewhere, you know what well, I mean? So here in, so here in Olympia, we actually had some, we had a guy that was running around and starting fires, hmm. um, actually doing it. Now, of course, there was a bunch of calls getting flooded in about whether the guy was, you know, Antifa or BLM. And, and it's like, the, the the sheriff's office in in a few of the counties out here had to 
basically say, quit it. Quit calling us about this stuff. We haven't determined that there's anything like that. That yeah. That's the issue. And so you ha- and because of QAnon and these people who think that by reading QAnon they're somehow more educated than the people that are in- that are yeah. investigating who's starting these fires. Exactly. Like it, it 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 is absolutely astounding how fake news from one site that people think is the end all be all of truth yeah. is they're they're somehow more intelligent than the people who are doing the investigating. I mean. Yeah. You're Here fucking, you are. Your, your making, pants are on fire, dude. Your pants are on fire. What are you looking at QAnon for? You know. And the crazy and the, and the funny and interesting thing is now that you you because of this you've got people that are Antifa and BLM going, dude, we're having to defend the cops here because you guys are literally insane. Right. <laughs> like they're like, all cops are bastards, but you need to listen to them on this one. Right. And 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 so to me, you know, that's where you know I don't know if this is troll level master or, you know, people are just honestly completely crazy. Um, and somehow, some dude in New Jersey knows that BLM is an Antifa starting wildfires out in Washington, Oregon, and California. Right. People who are fighting for, you know, to for climate change i don't think they're the ones that are going to be doing things that are going to change the climate that doesn't right. make sense well i think QAnon is the next nostradamus i mean in a thousand years i think we're going to be like oh he had some good predictions you know what i mean <laughs> same same with uh, you know your local astrology report in your in your newspaper exactly. it's 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 probability. It's all probabilities. Yeah, and and the probability of Antifa BLM being the one starting these are just minimal at best. Yes. I mean, because it's, it's they're, they're not, not or, they're not organizations. They don't have a head of the organization. The Antifa <laughs> mobile messaging network. <laughs> yeah, there there is no. I mean, Antifa is a thought. It's a way of thinking, like Democrat or Republican. It's anti-fascism. It's not. There's no board of directors of Antifa. There's no, you know what I. That's what I'm trying to get. There's no BLM leadership per se directing everybody. They're coming together in a movement. In in local areas, you mm. know that you know they're looking to they're looking to change things at their local level. Yep. And and with an overarching, you know plea to the feds to you know have some oversight in this exactly. and 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 want to change it so with so with with all of this fake news that about these wildfires it just goes to show that people are looking at one source there and supposedly somehow this source has information that all of these local police departments don't have mhm i mean Considering they have their phones, they have their computers, they're going to be able to go through all of their messaging history. Look, I've I've seen what those reports look like. I have worked on them myself in the criminal justice system. Trust me, if if this dude magically has access to every Antifa and BLM member's computer, then most likely he's a developer for them. Mm. But since that's definitely not the case, that doesn't exist. Right. Somebody's making information up, pulling it out of their ass, posting it online, and a bunch of people think that this is the truth. Yep. And and 
that balance of probability is far more likely than, you know, hundreds and thousands of wildfires somehow being started in this organized concerted effort. Yeah. To, to I, kill, I, to kill themselves. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's right. definitely not that because, you know, people don't have issues with the fire department. <laughs> the fire department ain't out there killing black people. Right. Good point. That's kind of not what they do. <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't know. People should be worried about evacuating, but we should wrap up. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed the conversations. I'm not quite sure we directly covered the Green New Deal, but we, we started a discussion. So we'll have to throw in more points from the Green New Deal. And I think I think going through and talking about the Green New Deal at some point would be great because mm -hmm. there will be some good stuff to talk about in there. And and it's, it's, it's the next wave of the future that people yeah. should be excited about. But we can, just, we can just discuss the first point in one episode and, you know, not be so... Yeah. Green New Deal heavy because I know that it, it, it turns people off, but they need to know about this. It's just, it's a new market. I mean, imagine being before cars in America going, no cars, no cars. We well, don't want cars. We just want to keep our horses. We're going to put all of our investment into horses. You know what I mean? Where would we be right now? So imagine, be, but imagine though having the ability to see this as the next thing that's going to be huge and be like, you know what? If I'm going to make my money, this is where I should invest. Right. I, I, I invested in a company called Plug, which makes renewable batteries so we can ship our energy overseas. And I was like, renewable battery energy? Fuck yeah. You come into town, Joe Biden. I got my stock set up. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Plug, and they're up. I got them at like four bucks. They're like 13 bucks right now. Can you imagine nice. when Joe Biden says Green New Deal? And I'm just going to, it's going to shoot up. I love it. Mm -hmm. And 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 if and if they were if uh, Republicans were anxious enough to give them a tax break to mm -hmm. make them invest to make companies invest more in rechargeable yeah. and, and renewable energy, they would go up. And imagine if Shell decides to just buy up plug, boom! I love it. Then I got stocks in Shell. Yep, I love it. And you know, like I like to tell people the story. I'll just wrap it up on this. When they went out and bought $100 in toilet paper, I spent $100 on the uh, Robinhood app and got stocks. You know, and I just got like, I think it was four GE for 16 bucks. And I, I got four Snapchat for like, I don't know, like 36 bucks. And they gave me a US Steel and I got this plug now. And I love watching it. And I've doubled mm -hmm. my money. It's over doubled my money. You know, because yeah. I knew I knew Donald Trump saw the economy through the through the stock market, and he yep. would never let me down. And I knew once Joe Biden got into power, it would be called stability, and the market would love it. So either way, yep. I can't fucking lose. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, it was nice talking to you, brother. Good talking to you. All right. Do it again soon. Sure. To those who would tear.
that things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you need. with Stitcher Smart Radio app, Audible, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Such as Adam has a beard and the Denton County Collective. The Unsigned Countdown. And we will set up podcasts in North Carolina and Georgia and Mississippi and Florida and Arizona and Nevada and Idaho and Manchester, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin. And we will bring the truth to the people because the people will have a voice here. No longer will we be ignored. No longer will we be forced with policy after policy from an ever-changing network of politicians whose only goal it is is to make money, to continue to run, to continue to make money. They will listen to us. We are the people. We are America. We are our public, public access, access America. America. That's who we That's are. Who we are. And if you didn't and know you we didn't existed, existed, you might want to get on board. We want to hear from you. Hear from you you want to hear from us? Hear from us? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.